Are you tired of the same old pro wrestling? Then check out the amazing action on Powerslam.tv, the biggest indie pro wrestling channel in the world. Get over 4,000 hours of the best pro wrestling events from over 110 of the biggest names in the industry from over 15 countries around the globe. Get your free trial today at Powerslam.tv. The following is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. Welcome everyone to episode 17 of your favorite podcast about all things elite. Welcome to all things elite. I am your host Floyd Johnson and with me today is one of my favorite co-hosts. My Actually my favorite co-host. I love all of you but she is my favorite. It is Amy Euler. She is from the Dragon's Den and you know she's here every a couple weeks and she feels better this week. So how you doing? I'm doing great. I feel so much better. I'm so happy to be here. <laughs> I am so happy to have you. Now, I want to send a shout out to Josh from Keeping It Strong Style. He did an amazing job last week. We got a few comments about how great and how knowledgeable he is and how he could just pull matches from the top of his head. Something I will I will never ever be able to do i'm like like we brought up blood and he pulls up like seven matches where it was like a lot of blood in a match like off the top of his head he's like a freaking encyclopedia computer uh, encyclopedia or computer i am uh i am in awe of his knowledge because i cannot do that i've watched 30 something years of wrestling i cannot do that <laughs> josh is amazing <laughs> yes yes uh yeah so he he was great but I need I, I I need my super positive co-partner today, a co-host today, and it is we got a lot. We, it's like we got a lot to talk about because you know we didn't get to talk about some stuff last week. Then some stuff happened this week, and it's just like a lot it's, of stuff. <laughs> it's going to be so exciting. I know we have to talk about Starcast and how we actually got to meet and hang out at Starcast. And, of course, see Double or Nothing and all the news that dropped. And 
big news with John Moxley this week. This is going to be a really, really great show. All right. But before we get started, I want to start the show by reminding you this episode of All Things Elite is brought to you by Power Slam TV. Power Slam TV, where you get access to over 4,000 hours of content for over, from over 110 of your favorite wrestling brands from countries all around the world, right onto your laptop and mobile device. If you use the code Social Suplex, you get the first month free. Now, I don't have a drum roll, and I'm not going to add the sound. But we this week, uh, as part of June, we had a fifty dollar, uh, a fifty dollar pro wrestling tees gift card giveaway, and you know you had to like, retweet, follow, and then put what you liked from Double or Nothing. You, you, we got we got some responses. I would have liked more, uh, but I am very, very excited for everybody that did. The winner has already been uh, contacted on Twitter, but it was Jason Fitco. He's at Sentinel2478. Uh, he won the $50 uh, gift card, and I, he will be receiving it today. Congratulations, Jason. Thank you for listening. Thank you for participating. Uh, we really appreciate you. And now I'm handing it off to Amy. Congratulations, Jason. That is awesome. Make sure that when you get your shirts from Pro Wrestling Tees that you show off the stuff that you got because we totally want to see it. That's basically the best parts of doing a giveaway is getting to see the happiness that goes around from it. So make sure you tag us with the stuff that you get because we want to celebrate with you. Congratulations again. All right, now on to our show. Dude, we got to hang out at StarCast. We did. How amazing was that? We did. I got to meet you and Andy, but how I met you was very interesting. How I first noticed you is we I was sitting basically a row into the left in front of you when you asked a question during the, uh, the I think it was evening with uh, Cody. In the yes. box, right? Yeah. And I looked behind you. I was like, I know that voice. <laughs> and I know that face. <laughs> <laughs> that is so awesome. <laughs> that was fantastic. That night was so, so great. And I loved the evening with the Cody and the Bucks. That was such a fun panel. And I have a slight confession to make. The reason why I asked that question was I really wanted to ask and you know find out about their plans for their weekly show, but I had also put the question out to uh, the hashtag BTE mailbag, I think last week, and it didn't go on air, and I was like, dude, I'm here. You're there. I'm just going to ask you this question now. <laughs> that, that is awesome. I was like, oh, Amy. And then, of course, it's funny. I don't know if he, Cody kind of – Went some places during that interview, uh, during that uh, show, and he just, and it was just hilarious because he definitely understands fan service like nobody's business. He gives the fans what he wants, but it was funny because the rest of the week you could tell he was kind of like he's you know he was like, dude, you're not supposed to say what you just said. Yeah, <laughs> as soon as he said that thing about Kylie, which I understand where he was coming from. What he was trying to do was draw a comparison with Bailey and Kylie and say that Kylie is the real deal. And by all accounts, from everyone who's known her, who's worked with her, they all say across the board that that is exactly who she is in person. And honestly, I can relate. If I were ever to be a professional wrestler, that would be my gimmick. Just really bubbly, really happy, really supportive. Awesome. The 
problem was was that he does know his fan base and he does know that there are people who you know are kind of maybe disenfranchised a bit and wanting something different from what's currently available out there so kind of playing to that crowd was great but you could definitely tell immediately as soon as he drew that comparison that that was not going to go well on Twitter. <laughs> yes, and it was funny. I was like, I even said audibly, what did Bailey do to him? <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. So you call it an out-of-the-old show. <laughs> I was like, what did Bailey do to him? I'm like, I, you know, as far as I knew, I'm like, Bailey's fine. I was like, but he was just, you know, he was just, I mean, the characters are going to get compared, you know. They, yeah. they, I mean, uh, early Bailey, early Bailey, and you know, at Bailey up until like two weeks ago, and Kylie Ray are very similar characters. Absolutely, and I gotta say, I love Kylie. I adore Kylie. Bailey, I also love Bailey, and I also adore them. So there's room for both in this awesome world of wrestling. I mean, yeah, I'd like to say we're both super positive. There's room for both of us. We're on the same <laughs> show. No, so that works out. You know, Kylie and Bailey. I mean, I, like I said, Bailey has inspired a lot of young girls to get into wrestling and to stay into wrestling and maybe dream of wrestling one day. I am friends with WWE super friend Izzy, and you know, you know, Bailey was a big inspiration for her, and and it's just like you know, I I will always you know I will always you know support Bailey and anybody that has that kind of positive image. And then Kylie, I you know, I met her, got a picture with her. I was wearing her shirt, and she was super awesome and nice, and it was it was a great you know great moment because you know this it was literally like her first convention really yeah she didn't even know what to do really she was like so what are we doing here it was it was interesting and i thought i mean she was just such a positive person and such a nice person to meet that is wonderful and you know you had a lot of people you had quite the itinerary almost you know, honestly, I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised if you were as busy with your StarCast schedule as Cody and the Bucks were with their StarCast schedule. If not more so, you had a huge itinerary and you managed. This is amazing, by the way. On the way to Double or Nothing, we ended up uh, sharing an Uber together, which was amazing, by the way. Thank you very much for that. You're welcome. Um, but yeah, you said that you hit all of your meet and greets. So what were some of the meet and greets that really stood out as, you know, some of the most fun, some of the most memorable, maybe people who spent a lot of time with you? Let's talk about some of those. All right. Well, I had 31 meet and greets, uh, which was kind of a record. I think I did 27 last year at All In. Uh, Sammy G was pretty memorable. He was very excited and happy. Uh, he kind of explained the whole, I heard your match. And he's like, I didn't want to lie. I didn't see you do the match, but I heard it. I heard people cheering, so it must have been good. So I got to talk to Sammy. Um, uh, Stevie Ray, uh, Stevie Ray from Harlem Heat. He was another one. We got to talk about like his background being a DJ and all that kind of stuff. It was funny because I mistakenly said he was on the uh, – Make it mistakenly say he was on the Edge and Christian show, but he was on Jericho. So, but yeah, I got this really cool picture, a uh, tag team picture that I bought at there, and it's signed by Booker T and Stevie Ray. So I thought that was it, that was just a really cool. Got to tell LAX how much I loved him. I uh, if anyone knows, LAX is one of my favorite tag teams. I think they're one of the best tag teams in the world. And then of course, Cody. Now I've had a goal. 
I've had a goal since I started meeting Cody about two years ago, maybe three, that he remembers me, right? Uh-huh. This was it. No way. Yes. He was like, you were at Chicago. You were at Nashville. You've been everywhere with me. Oh, he that is says so you, great. You, so he says you travel all around with me. And I was like, finally. You know, in my mind, of course, I was like, yes, he remembered me. And, like, he called out every city I had been in. So it was crazy. And then uh, we got we had our picture. And I get our picture, and he's like, man, that's a nice-looking uh, case on your phone. And I completely forgot. Because, you know, I carry my phone every day. That but the back of my case is a picture of me and Cody. Oh. <laughs> so that was fun. And I got to talk to Brandy and everything. And it was just, I think, yeah, Cody's always the best. Uh, yeah, you know, he's always, he's just, and it was funny that Thursday night is like, he has different type of moods, but he was like super energetic the Thursday night. And they were like talking to everybody so long. And it was funny because got a lot of people like kind of complaining in the back of the line. And I'm just like, that's why StarCast is different. You get time with the people. And I, I, I mean, I like I said, I don't ever want to. I, I will definitely say I am a StarCast shill. I will tell anybody to go to StarCast. I'm like it is it at times is not super organized, but I think to me that's the charm of it. It's you get time with the wrestlers. You get you. I'm like I'm walking down the hall. I'm like I'm riding up the elevator uh, or escalator, and I turn around and TJP's like right behind me. Uh, I'm at the hotel. I'm going down the elevator, and there was Mance Warner, uh, Dave Dave Melter. And his boys were out in our lobby just shooting the shit. I mean, I think you hung with them, right? Yeah, well, (laughs) that was a really fun thing. So um, there were a lot of people staying at Tuscany. And I remember at one point one morning, um, I come outside for coffee and I'm checking Twitter. And I look next to me and I'm like, oh, my God, Dave Meltzer is right there. And I forget exactly what they were talking about. They were talking about something, but it very much felt like a fly in the wall of like listening to what would be going on the next week's Wrestling Observer. And I was just like, wow, this is madness. And so I was just, you know, waiting for his conversation to get over because he was earnestly chatting with somebody. Um, I want to say it was the person from Cultaholic, but I'm not sure. And uh, so, yeah, then at that point, I went up and shook his hand and I was wearing my uh, LIJ Tranquilo shirt. And he looks down. He's like, hey, nice shirt. I like that a lot. I was like, yeah, man, you got to rep New Japan. (laughs) Of course. (laughs) It was great. But, you know, the thing that I really loved about StarCast was just how easily accessible people were. Like you said, um, leading into it before we went, that people were just around and you could go say hi to people. And even the meet and greets, I didn't buy any additional meet and greet packages, but what I did do on a whim was check out the collector's corner, which was kind of their merch area. Uh, because I had seen on the program that it was kind of going to be like an exhibition hall of like belts and memorabilia and things like that. So I was like, okay, cool. I've got, you know, nothing but time right now. I'll go check it out. Turns out it was a huge merch area, huge vendor area, and tons of wrestlers just there hanging out doing um, autographs and photos for people who had done meet and greets. And um, so I was walking around and I was like, I wonder if I can just go up and say hi. Like I haven't bought anything. And of course, 
etiquette was the primary thing. If people were waiting in line or if somebody was waiting behind me, if I was talking to somebody, I very quickly got out of the way because I was just talking to people. But I met Sammy Guevara. He was amazing. We chatted about the uh, cake that he does on Being the Elite where he brings people cake. And um, he was talking to Kip Sabian. They were right next to each other. And they were hanging out like they were just the best friends in the world. And they were super excited about the match that was going to happen at Double or Nothing. And I know I'm kind of breaking kayfabe a little here. I'm sorry. But they were just having a blast. And I uh, ran into Ali Impact. And it was the best thing because I was like, wow, you look amazing. How are you? This is so great. I'm so excited to see you here. And she shakes my hand and then she looks at my outfit and she's like, I love your outfit. You look fantastic. You are absolutely killing it today. I was just like, man, this is amazing. So you get to have all of these little moments with people and you know, where it's not being intrusive, it's not getting into other people's way. And of course, in those situations, I wasn't asking for pictures or anything because those are things that people had already paid for. So, you know, if people came around, of course, out of the way. But I also ran into Michael Nakazawa, who was just sitting at the table, um, hanging out. Alicia, too. Everybody was so friendly and so excited. And it really felt like this buzzing world of magic, both for StarCast and for the Double or Nothing show that still had yet to come, it was amazing. Absolutely, and then that's uh, that's what I uh, try to drive home to people when they talk about this kind of thing. I I, I try to give them one hundred percent the expectations that you get. It's like you might like it's not going to be as sterile like as uh i will say like if you go to like a wizard world or something on the convention the person just comes out they meet you and then they leave right that's that's what makes starcast different it's not that they're standing around you can talk to them uh i was uh i mean matt striker was talking to the group i was with for like an hour just hanging out this is like matt striker's just hanging out with us and it's just it's just a it's just a completely different uh completely different way of doing things and i just tell people if you can do it i mean i understand if you can't but even if you just buy the collector's day uh thing uh, where you can just go into the collector's room. It's worth it. You're standing in line with so many wrestling fans. There's so many cool stuff. Like I said, the collectible I got uh, with the uh, Booker T. Then I got the turnbuckle pad from AEW. And like I said, I saw them taking out of that out of the box to sell it. And it's just like, these are things you, you just don't get anywhere else. And I will tell you, I'm like... Man, it's 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 a great experience. I like last week, last year, the last weekend. I even said it was the best wrestling weekend of my life. This one was a close second. I I, I got to hang with my homegirl Tiffany a lot, and I saw Issa, and I made some new friends, and I'm very excited about that. But it was just like last weekend. Last time I had my boy Ryan with me, and I really wanted him to come this time. He couldn't, but it was just great because it was just like. And it was funny because, like, not having someone with me with me made me spread my wings out so much more. I just, like, when, when I was done, which was shocking, I just went and stood in line and started talking to people. I'm like, I'm not in line. I'm just talking to my friends. <laughs> Absolutely. Kinda, yeah. my, my husband didn't fly in until the next day. So the first day that I was there, I was like, okay, like, 
I am a social butterfly, but it takes a little bit to, you know, jump in. So I was like, okay, I'm looking at StarCast and I don't know what I'm going to do. And I end up running into Anthony from Smart to Death, which was great because we we wanted to hang out anyway. So we hung out for a few hours. Then I met up with Tiffany and I saw Issa. I saw Jesse from um, Fansided DDT I, and uh, Lula from Twitter. Like there were so many people. I just can't even keep track of everybody that I met. But that was kind of one of the great things was that not only did you have this really amazing wrestling adventure, but you also really felt like you were hanging out with friends because there were so many people from Twitter that we would run into and recognize our faces and then be like, wait a second, are you on Twitter? And then we would be like, oh yeah, you know, your Twitter handle name. And then you just hang out and go grab lunch or, you know, go wait in line and keep them company while they were waiting for a meet and greet or whatever. And you just had this really great community vibe that sort of was like cut from Twitter, planted right in the middle of Vegas. Everyone's excited. Everyone's ready to celebrate. And also you had mentioned people standing around like wrestlers and things like that. Um, if you get the StarCast bracelets to go to events like let's say you get the gold bracelet or the platinum bracelet um, where you're guaranteed seating and access to these events um, a lot of times the people who are hosting them so let's take the uh, Frankie Kazarian Papa Buck Jam um, they're just hanging out outside until the door opens and they can go in so we were outside just talking to Papa Buck, talking to Joyce Massey, talking to Fat Massa, um, talking to Frankie at the after party. Killer Cross and Scarlet Bordeaux were there and uh, Tommy Dreamer was there. And they're literally just wandering around, mingling, hanging out like everybody else is. So you really do get to spend time with wrestlers, with fans, with friends, and it becomes this incredible, memorable experience. I know I'm going to take it forever, and because I didn't have anything to compare it to, it is the best wrestling week I have ever spent in my life. And that's coming back from WrestleMania weekend in New York. This was amazing. I mean, they do such a good job, and it's like... I am not one of those people. I am very loyal, very loyal person to, to my brands. Uh, I like uh, very loyal to the WWE. Don't get me wrong, but it's like I want to make sure I'm at every one of these Starcast AEW weekends because it's just such a full weekend. It's just like I felt I probably spent what an eighth of what I spent on WrestleMania in a whole, but I had so much better of a time and it's just like like i said i have no problem with access i think people should do access but they're kind of sterile you know it's like they just come out they come out to sign you get your one thing you get your picture you know you try to say something memorable but then you're gone you know because it's that quick and it's just like I feel that's the difference between StarCast and any other event that I've been to. Like I said, I compared it to Comic-Cons, Wizard World. Uh, I've compa I'm comparing it to everything. It's my favorite experience. But like I said, I am a little weird. Like I said, I, I'm in standing in line, and I hear I hear the complaints. I'm My head is not in the sand. I hear the complaints about, well, this person didn't show up on time, or this person was you know, a little late. And I was like, to me, just to me, that adds to the charm. It adds to the 
idea, you know, that, you know, this is kind of fans run being run by fans. You know the people from StarCast. I shared I shared a uh, Uber to uh to the event with some people from StarCast and it was just it's it's different. It's a different feeling. It's a familial feeling. Absolutely. And I will say, um, I ran into quite a few people who uh, work with StarCast, Dave and Allison and Mark and just a bunch of different people. And kindness goes a long way. These people are working so hard. They're working tirelessly, like ridiculous hours of the day on their feet, helping people out all with a smile on their face. And of course, there are going to be issues that pop up. I know we had issues with our tickets when we got into Double or Nothing and those got taken care of. But, you know, a little bit of kindness and a little bit of understanding goes a long way because they're trying to put on an amazing event for people. And they're all fans, too. And they're all in it together. And I know that, you know, there were some valid uh, complaints with the meet and greet times with people maybe being late. And some of those were actually because of the time that they were spending with the fans. And I know that when you're waiting for something, especially that you've paid for and you're excited about, and maybe you've got another thing that you need to get to, that that can kind of be a little stressful when you're trying to juggle those time slots. But knowing that people are taking the time to make a really memorable experience for you is really, really great. Like there were people who were saying um, that they were really shy when they would go to these meet and greets and they would suddenly lose everything that they had planned to say. They were talking themselves up in the whole line. By the time they get there, they forget everything and it goes out the window. But then people would pull it out of them and they would sort of just have conversations with them about what their plans were for the weekend, what they were doing with their families, anything just to make that a memorable experience. So sometimes the times were due to that. Sometimes they were just due to scheduling conflicts, what have you. But there wasn't too much of that. It did it, it, seem to feel like it was run really smoothly for how much they had going on. Yeah, and let me say, like, it was improved from Chicago. It will be the next in Chicago. It will be improved from Las Vegas. They are learning each time they do this. I I will suggest they don't. They try to keep that kind of feeling. That kind of you know, like I said, the randomness of it all. It's like the great thing about the gold and platinum bracelets. It does get you access to everything. And it's just like you're walking down the hall. And it's like Justin Roberts is just sitting there talking to someone. And it's just like, oh, he's just like, he can't. Hey, you, you go up to him and talk to him. Great. You know, if he didn't want to talk to anybody, he would just, you know, there's plenty of green rooms and other places they can go if they don't want to talk to anyone. And they're just out. And they just love being with the fans. They just love being around. I mean, like I said, everyone is just so kind. All the vendors, super talented people. Uh, uh, the one that I bought my Booker T from, uh, his artist named AJ Moore. And, I mean, his uh, Harlem Heat posters were great. There was another artist there, and he did comic book folders uh, comic book uh, covers, but with wrestlers. So, like, the one that I saw that I was interested in was the Fantastic Four Horsemen. And, and it was just like, and he did that kind of stuff. And it's just like, the things you can get there and the things you can see there, there's a pro wrestling card, tabletop card game that I saw. And I'm just like, I'm like, I'm trying to put everybody over. I'm next time, next time I am going to get better around writing names down so I can uh, shout these people out and they can get to, get some uh get some traffic to the websites or whatever but it was just like I was in awe of the talent that's in the wrestling community 
Oh, absolutely. And a lot of the press people there, too, like Ryan Satin and Sean Ross Sapp and Emily Pratt. Like, everybody was just super kind, super fun, and really super excited. And I think when you've got a weekend like StarCast and Double or Nothing, and you've got the inaugural show, and everyone's been looking forward to this for months, you can't help but to have this sort of magic in the air. And I think that's going to be the same situation when they do StarCast with All Out in Chicago, especially because that's going to be kind of going back to where that all began with All In and StarCast both kicking things off. So I'm really excited for everyone who gets to go in Chicago to see that. I will say people have asked if the gold or platinum bracelets were worth it. There were so many people that were packed into each room and they were really good this time about making sure that people who did have those bracelets were prioritized. So people with platinum bracelets were in the center um, aisles. So all of the seats in the center of every event were all platinum and then gold and then anything that was left over was for people with general admission. I'm not sure if there was a lot of room for general admission. So if you are looking at StarCast in Chicago, I would absolutely recommend getting a platinum or a gold bracelet just to make sure that you're able to enjoy, you know, the events, the meet and greets, and really take advantage of everything they have available to offer in addition, of course, to extra meet and greets and things like that. Yeah, I went platinum, and uh, let me tell you, I didn't wait, like, you know, you would have the people waiting in line or anything. I was doing my meet and greets, so I would generally come to the event around the time that it started. And because I had platinum, I always got a seat, and it was always a good seat. So gold, you know, gold is, you know, prioritized second after that. You probably would have had to wait a little bit, but I, like I said, with platinum, it was definitely worth it. I uh, bought, uh, I got a gold for my friend that came with me. And and he just did events. He just did uh, the panels and all that stuff. He didn't do any meet and greets or anything like that. He had a great time. So it's just like you don't have to do the meet and greets, whatever you're into. But those things are so educational. They are so fun. You hear stories you would never hear. Unfortunately, I missed Arns because I was standing in line for somebody. But, uh, yeah, it was it was a great time. Oh, it was an absolutely great time. And if you end up with the chance to do the jam session with Papa Buck, you should definitely do that. Make sure if you are a person who likes to have some liquid courage before you start dancing, make sure you do that and make sure you have a great time and dance because it was so fun having this little dance party with a jam session and then the Bucks come out and Joey Ryan comes out and SCU comes out. It was just a great big party. We had great seats, super fun. Make sure that you just live it up. Don't be shy. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say, we definitely put StarCast over, but it's just like, Without seeing one of the best wrestling shows ever, it was still a great weekend. You know what I mean? It was just like, if I took the wrestling show out of it, it was still an awesome weekend. But then we got to see one of the best wrestling shows I've ever seen in my life with a lot of my friends. And like I said, we shared an Uber, and I got to meet Andy. And and I've definitely put Andy over as like the coolest person I've ever met. Man, I don't know if he heard last week's show. I went on and on about how cool he was. <laughs> but he's just... <laughs> he's, he is awesome. He was out at Tuscany, and uh, I ended up posting this picture on Twitter, <laughs> which was so funny. He's just got scotch. He's got his American Rebel cigars. 
he's doing he's he's a very skilled magician, card magician. So he was doing magic tricks for people at Tuscany at night, just kind of on a whim. I think he did some to uh, Brian Alvarez and Dave Meltzer just on a whim. It was a lot of fun. But you're right, we did have this incredible weekend at StarCast, and it was all gearing up to this incredible show, which was hands down the best wrestling show i have ever seen live yeah. ever yes i haven't seen many live shows but yeah I, <laughs> i've I, seen probably three or four but ever absolutely i've down. seen a few hundred and i still say it's one of the best shows i've ever seen uh, my favorite shows of all time are wrestlemania 30 all in and this one just that's oh. So good. It, it, it's just the, the idea, what they're good at is fan service. And it's just like the moments that they built, the matches that they built. Cody put it best that what he was trying to do is give a variety. He's like, when we did, uh, uh, when we had our uh, match rate, we wanted to put on the best match rate. When he's like, his style is more towards the emotions of wrestling, which is what I enjoy more. He's like, we wanted the best version of that. You know, we had the, they had the sprints. He wanted the best version of that. And I just like, but everyone's heard what I thought. Yeah, bye. They, you know, in detail. What, what were your thoughts on Double or Nothing? Oh, man. So first, when you go in there, um, the set that they had, the set that they built really gave an air of professionalism. They had those giant chips. They had their great LED stage. They had their pyro set up. The ring looked great. The lighting looked great. I loved even just something as, you know, in the background as the lighting while the show is happening. So you have kind of a dark lighting on the crowd. So all the focus is on the ring. It was just amazing. And I loved how it kicked off my favorite thing. And they talked about this. Um, I believe Brandon Cutler talked about this recently. The very first person to come out at the very first match of AEW's very first show was Brandon Cutler. And the amount of love and support and excitement and just empowerment that the crowd just sent directly to him was amazing. And I think that was such a cathartic release of this huge show that we'd all been waiting for. And then having someone like Brandon come out and the Casino Battle Royale and really throughout the entire night, us being able to unleash that energy that we've been holding on to in anticipation for so long and be able to kind of give back it away to these people that are giving us something so exciting to look forward to, I felt was really magical. So I loved that. I loved the Casino Battle Royale. I loved the Tommy Dreaver coming out with the trash can and everybody chanting ECW. I loved Dustin Thomas getting a 619 in. I loved MJF being the biggest prick ever because he is amazing at it. Um, I just, I really, really loved even just the pre-show. I also loved the structure of it. So seeing it live, sometimes um, there can be a bit of a delay for commercials. Like WWE shows will have long delays for commercials where there's nothing else going on. Uh, you won't see any of the interviews that are happening backstage. You won't hear any of the commentary. You won't really see anything. You're just kind of waiting. Whereas uh, Double or Nothing, they had um, during breaks and intermissions – they had vignettes playing. They had sort of replays playing. There was always something to keep you occupied, and everything felt like it transitioned really smoothly from there. Yeah. Um, it 
the Cutler moment was such a big moment because you know wrestlers are really good about staying in character and whatever. And I mean, the look on his face. The happiness, the pure joy at that pop that he got was just like, it, 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 like seriously, he's probably the person I root for next after Cody. You know, like just his story, you know, the family, being away from wrestling, giving another shot, finally making it, that kind of thing, just doing what he has to do. The hustle, the grind to get to where he had to, I just respect that on such a big level because a lot of people give up. You know what I mean? A lot of people give up, and, and it's not, I mean, it's not, you know, and sometimes it's strategic, but in this case, he just kept going, and when perseverance is rewarded, it's one of the things that I will root for forever. Absolutely. I mean, he is just like the pure embodiment of just the nicest person in wrestling, and you just want to support with everything you and it's so great because you could see that that really touched him. And I had asked his wife, who does the costumes for the elite, um, how did it feel in this moment of walking out and just hearing that response? And, you know, the reaction was absolutely just overwhelmed with joy and love and gratitude. And I think that was really something that was traded back and forth between the fans and the wrestlers all night. And I loved that we got to start that off with Brandon Cutler. And I didn't put over that he was the first person to sign my uh, turnbuckle pad. Uh, he was just one of the first people I met. And he was just as nice as humble. And it's just like, you wouldn't, you know what I'm saying? You wouldn't know he's about to be on one of the biggest wrestling shows in the world because he was just, just him. He was just him. The same yeah. guy, the same guy you see joking and laughing on BTE. He's that same guy. I was going to say that about you. I'm like, Anyone that you listen to this show and you're like, there is no way she's that energetic in real life, you are wrong. <laughs> you are so wrong. She is exactly who she represents on the podcast. I thought it was amazing. It was refreshing. I, I like literally, I didn't talk a lot because I felt like it was like because you were so you, it felt like I had known you for a while. You know what I mean? It just like, oh, it's Amy, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I loved that too. Like, it, was, it felt like we knew each other for so long yeah. and that we just like gelled immediately. Yeah, and it was just like I met Eddie and I was like, I followed him on Twitter so long. It's like, and his demeanor, because he's very funny on Twitter, but he doesn't talk a lot. You know, no. what I mean? he doesn't talk a lot. So it's like, it was like at first I was like, does he not like me? But then I just realized that's just who he is. You know, he's a, he he's almost like Silent Bob. He speaks when he has something to say. He does. Very, very much so. I will just keep going forever endlessly. He is a, you know, he he doesn't talk a whole lot, but when he does, and sometimes he'll be just talking nonstop and having a great time. But, you know, he he gets in, kind of goes back and forth, like whatever the mood strikes him. Yeah, I was going to say, there was no dead air between us. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know he had much time to talk. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yes. I was like, all right, we got this, man. We're just going to talk the whole time. Yes, yeah, it was great. Uh, and it was crazy. Oh, that line, getting in the double or nothing. That line. Yes. I mean. Yes, the line was crazy long. I will say, though, that it moved much faster I mean, than I thought it was going to. It went downstairs. <laughs> they had they had a second entrance, I guess, no one ever knew, no one knew about. 
But what? It was, yes, it, like there was another entrance. Uh. <laughs> so, but no, uh, no, it was it was it was crazy how efficient they were as far as getting this all in. Yeah, but that line, it, you know, in that line, when I saw the line, I was just like, it, it that immediately I was like, this shows shows about to be lit. This show's about to be awesome because the crowd is like sixty percent of a wrestling show. You know, yeah, it can it can be it can be not that great a show, but if the crowd is into it, they can carry this show. And it was just like it, it, the crowd reacted to everything that you know the wrestlers wanted them to react to. You know what I mean? And it was just like. The crowd was crazy good, and it's just like, and I'm I'm hoping all AEW crowds are like that. I'm hoping we get that at all out. I it was just this passionate concert feel. Yeah, and also super respectful because every wrestling show that I've gone to, whether it's a New Japan show or Takeover or a WWE show, you always get the Charlotte Flair woos in the crowd. You know, as everybody's kind of just excited, and that just happens. It's a backdrop of noise, but you also get the Adam Cole baby chants all the time, every time, every show. And the really cool thing about, at least from from my experience at Double or Nothing with the lines, with the um, uh, people around me in the arena, nobody was doing the Adam Cole baby chants, which I thought was really cool and really respectful to Britt Baker because, like, obviously it could have been a really fun nod to Britt Baker, but I loved that Britt Baker just was her own person and people were really excited and they had DMD chants for her. It had nothing to do with Adam Cole. So that on a side note was something that even though it's not this huge deal was just something I made a mental note of that I thought was really respectful and really cool of AEW fans to just have their own chant for Britt Baker that had nothing to do with the traditional wrestling chant. Absolutely, uh, Britt, uh, Britt was. Uh, she, you know, when she came out and her reaction was like the star that she's supposed to be. Of course, when you were looking at Awesome Kong and Kylie Ray, but it was just like she she has that respect already, and that's important oh, when it comes to fans. And yeah, and I like, and you know what? I like that she doesn't lean away from the Adam Cole thing. The finish she used was Adam Cole's finisher, so that was crazy. Yeah. Yeah, no, she, I love that. I love that there's this nod, you know, of acknowledgement and respect and appreciation, but it's not something that is overwhelming. It's something that's just there. It's a part of who she is. And I love that. I loved also how polished she is. Britt Baker looks like an absolute star and she moves like an absolute star. And it was really great having the contrast with Nyla Rose and Awesome Kong, which I lost my mind when she came out. That was incredible and such a great surprise. And yep. Kylie Ray was so adorable. <laughs> it was so cute because Brandy Rhodes comes out. And I think all of us, I know I did. I immediately was like, oh, man, like I love Brandy Rhodes and I love seeing her wrestle. But don't interject yourself in this match. <laughs> I was like, in my mind, I was like, that's such a WWE thing to do. But I was like, don't yeah. do that. Don't do that. And she comes don't out. She's it. like, I want this to be awesome. And then I, I was like, and the music hit. I didn't know who music it was at first. Then you saw it on the screen and it went awesome. I was like, I, I was, I just started yelling like, the people behind me just looking at me crazy. I, I just, I love Awesome Kong. I love Awesome Kong. 
So I love her in glow. And I was so like, oh, man, I should have done a glow chant or we should have done a glow chant. Um, Glow comes out in their third season, I think, on August 8th. And she's in it. And she plays a phenomenal character. Uh, She plays the welfare queen. This is back in the 80s. There's a whole bunch of really, really great drama and comedy and nuanced handling of, of stereotypes and wrestling and how people deal with it and you know, push through it and, and without getting into a whole bunch of political issues, I love her character. I love that she's actually a wrestler as well, but that's how I was primarily familiar with her was from Glow and then knowing that she was also a wrestler. So seeing her come out in real life was amazing. She was great. Yeah, when she puts on her gear, it transforms her. Because I've talked to her just like when she's normal and she just looks like, Honestly, one of my family members, <laughs> you know, but when she puts on her gear, it literally transforms her into this larger than life person. It's like Kaya, which is, you know, her real name. I'm not afraid of her, but I am afraid of Awesome Kong. <laughs> yes, yes, which is so great because she was talking about how nervous she was. Yeah. And how, you know, this was such a big moment and she was almost having to deal with like massive stage fright. And then she puts on her gear and she gets out there and it's like, all right, I got to shut that down. It's go time. And you couldn't tell at all. She was just a, just amazing. She yes. was absolutely amazing. Oh, definitely. And she was, uh, she was so uh, in, you know, like everything was into it. She took the big bump from Nyla, and that was great. And and it was funny. Uh, Nyla was, I just, I thought she was, I thought she was good, and she was definitely larger than life, like she should be. And you know, I only heard a few chants that I didn't want to hear, but that were from people that weren't fans. I will just say that. <laughs> just. Luckily, I didn't hear any of those, and I'm really, really glad. And I did see um, afterwards people had talked about – well, I I guess I should say fans of AEW, this community, are all in on this. Pun absolutely intended. And people are looking out for each other, and people are looking out for Nyla Rose, and people are looking out for this awesome community that we have, this awesome promotion that we have, and this awesome sort of movement that they're building. So they've been calling out and holding people accountable for that. I believe there was one person who was there who was really incessant about those kinds of chants and really disruptive. And if I recall correctly, they are not going to be allowed to go to those shows if they're going to be that that kind of person so you know that's not what AEW fans are all about what AEW fans are all about is the wrestling and Nyla Rose and Awesome Kong were amazing it was so great seeing the power of these two women in the ring together seeing the potential of what they could do as these dominant beasts of prowess in the ring within the women's division and it was a delight to see yeah, we are all nerds, and you know, like, I always say that we are all nerds when it comes to wrestling, and that's why I do my best to accept everyone. I want everyone to be included, and it's been the it's been the rallying cry of AEW and the Elite forever, and it's just like, man, just get behind it, you know, get behind it, get with it. You know, just you're all you no matter where you're in line or you whatever, you you know you have something in common and it's that's this love for this thing that in a lot of ways doesn't make any sense. <laughs> but we love it so much. 
<laughs> you can either move forward into the future or be left behind in the dust. It's and, all up to you. And absolutely. And I just, I don't, it is funny when I say this, it's like, I am the nicest person, nicest person in the world. I, I, I want to love and hug everybody. I want everybody to be involved, but I don't have tolerance for it in, intolerance. Absolutely. And as positive and wonderful as we are, uh, it's equally on the other spectrum of that when this stuff starts coming up. Yeah. Like, I'm not playing around with that at all. I have just as much happy energy as I do get the F out energy. Yeah. And I will use it accordingly. Um, another surprise, though, as far as uh, you know, being nerds and wrestling and being really excited about something new was Joshi Match. Oh, my God. A lot of people on Twitter who are super big into the Joshi scene and you know it was really really great getting to see them on stage I love the charisma of all of those women when you had Imi Sakura coming out dressed as Freddie Mercury you had Yuka Sakazaki coming out with her I, 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 <laughs> chance which I'm sure I did that wrong but whatever um everybody was a star they lit up that ring they lit up that crowd and I had people behind me who were just totally blown away, who audibly said they had never seen Japanese women before, like Japanese women wrestling before. And they all were like, where do we find them? And I was like, watch Startup, <laughs> watch Shimmer, watch Japanese Joshi wrestling. And they're going to go home and watch that. You know, there are people who that was their very first introduction to a different world of wrestling, and they're going to go home and look that up and watch it and be excited about seeing them come out again. That's amazing. Yeah, I'm definitely a fan of Yuka. Um, she got a shirt on Pro Wrestling Tees. I'm going to order that as soon as I can. Um, and then I, I do, I do want to throw this out there for everyone. This week, on there's a show called The Wrestlers on Vice. This week, uh, which was like episode 13 of season one, was all about Japan's best wrestlers, and it was a show dedicated to stardom and Joshi wrestling. Joshi wrestling, excuse me. That is awesome. Also, Riho, um, she has been wrestling since she was nine years old, and I found this out just by accident. Um, you know how people have talked about, oh, Kenny Omega wrestled a nine-year-old girl. Yeah, guess what? Suzuki did too, and it was against Rio. So you can look that up too and see little kid Rio throwing down with Minoru Suzuki, which is insane. Yes, that is crazy. That is out of uh, I couldn't imagine doing that at nine, but they very much protect him. Uh, there was a girl on the show I was watching, and she was fourteen. And she was like a star. She had been a champion at 14. She goes to middle school and then goes to training. Isn't that wow. crazy? It's like, they was like, she's in a third year in middle school. I don't know what middle school is there. I don't know how the school system works. But it was crazy. Like, and this is what she was going to do. This is what she had already had a career doing it. That is amazing. Yeah, these women are superstars around the world, and it's so great to see them on a stage like AEW and see them, like you were mentioning on The Wrestlers, like being able to watch them just go out there and shine like this and just be athletic and fast and charismatic and fun and sometimes really powerful. And just it's so varied and so 
charismatic. That's really, it's just colorful. It's fun. It's interesting. It's brutal. It's great. It's a whole variety wrapped up in these powerful women that are just out there kicking butt in Japan. It's so good. They're so fast. They're so strong. Everything happens so sudden. They're so smooth. I, I mean, I'm just, I'm not talking about this match. I was just like in awe of the storytelling and they were wrestlers. They were not women's wrestlers. They were not ladies wrestlers. They were just really good wrestlers. And I think that is an important distinction to have because wrestling is wrestling and they were just really good wrestlers. And I thought that was awesome. Yeah, man, this whole show is filled with so much variety of just awesome, awesome wrestling like i think about the speed of the joshi match and then i think about like the match like the best friends and angelico or angelico and jack evans like oh my gosh you just have these constant whirlwinds of fun it's just a blast to watch and i loved how the pacing with um double or nothing they had great story matches they had really action-packed matches they had um, you know, introducing you to new types of wrestling matches. And the pacing was really nice. You you always had something to sort of pique your interest, and it wasn't something like, oh, okay, well, we just saw this kind of match. It was something new every time. And this particular match with the best friends and, and Helico and Jack Evans absolutely blew me away. I love the best friends. And actually, I think we talked about this before the show. Um, when we did our prediction show, I love the best friends and I was really excited to see them, but I was really intrigued by Angelico and Jack Evans. And I will say the only downside to that match was that we didn't have a tag team name to chant for them because we were so excited and so electric by watching them that we wanted to throw that out in chant form and we couldn't. <laughs> so I hope that they do have a chant that we can use in the future because Oh, man, they were so athletic, so fun, so good, so charismatic. It was just a blast. Balls to the wall from start to finish with that match. When he did the backflip off the other guy's back to the outside, I I mean, seriously, I had friends watching a week later asking how did he do that. <laughs> like, man, his, his like backs and bodies are so sweaty. And he's like, not only... Did he get on there, keep his balance. Then he did a backflip and landed on the other guy. And I was like, Jack Evans, Jack Evans has been doing that for a long time. And, but he he's amazing, and I'm glad everyone's getting to see him. I felt like that about a lot of wrestlers. Like, um, you know, we'll talk about it. You'll know, we'll talk about it later. But um, yeah, and Helico. You know, it was funny because he kind of got overshadowed by everything Jack Evans done. But I'm like, watching Helico, he's pretty good, too. I'm, I'm a big fan of Van Helico's, actually. Yeah, I'm a big fan of both of them after that. I want to know everything that they're doing. They look like absolute stars. They've got a great polish to them. They've got great chemistry between them. They worked really well with the best friends. Um, I just, I loved the chemistry that they had with their moves together. It was, it flowed so perfectly. What did you think about what happened after that match? The super smash brothers. This, Oh, the super smash brothers. That was confusing. I had no idea. Okay. So lights go off and we're like, okay, who is this? And then these dudes are there and we're like, okay, who is this? And then the lights go off and then there's a bunch more dudes there. And we're like, Okay, but still, who is this? I had no idea who they were. 
Nobody around me had any idea who they were. I did not know who they were. (laughs) A who are you chant. And I think this was something that um, maybe AEW can learn from and adapt to in the future. Maybe they don't need to. I'm not sure um, as far as analyzing that goes. But I had no idea who they were. A lot of people didn't have any idea who they were. And once we did find out afterwards who they were, then that was fun. So we were like, oh, okay, Super Smash Brothers. They have a history with the Young Bucks. This could be really, really fun. But at the time, it was just a little confusing. And I think that was probably the only thing in the entire show that was a little jarring, but not necessarily in a terrible way, because you could tell that something exciting was happening, and you could tell that it was really fun and it was done really well. Like if we would have known who they were or had been introduced to them, having them show up and then having a bunch of ninja dudes show up with them too would have been absolutely awesome. It just happened to leave us a little confused. Yeah. um, And I even said it and I wasn't even trying to, when I was doing this, I wasn't trying to spin it when I said, I was telling the guys next to me, I'm like, that's a great thing. I'm like, now you have a reason to tune in next week. You know, you have to see who these guys are. So to have a little mystery and not know who a person is, is great. Because how often does that happen in wrestling? It seems like even on the surprises, we know what the surprises are all the time. We know everything that's going on. Sometimes we know who's going to get booked to win ahead of time. To be truly shocked, to not know something is going to happen is very rare. And that's why I thought that was good. That's a very, very good point. In a world of instant gratification where we can get anything at our fingertips at any point, having a moment of suspense where it just sits there where you don't know, that's that's totally fair. That's something to be accounted for. And you're right. It is a reason to tune in next week to be like, who is this? Why did they interrupt their match? And what's going to happen next week? Yeah. Are they going to take them down? Like, what's going on here? Yeah. Do, do they do these six people or whatever have a history or were they just making a statement? You don't know any of that. You got to tune into BTE. You got to tune into road Two because there's so many different ways to get stories that with, they have so many different uh, platforms to tell stories that you have to jump into them all. So you can try to find out all this information, which I think is great because it fully immerses you in the AEW world. Oh, absolutely. And speaking of surprises, I know we're kind of going out of order as far as what the show's card was, but I think this is a great time to talk about at least what for me was one of the biggest surprises of the night, which was the title presentation where they unveiled the AEW title, which, by the way, is absolutely stunning. I love how it looks. It looks prestigious. It looks gorgeous. The metalworking detail is awesome. But having Bret Hart, Bret freaking Hart, come out at AEW's inaugural show to present the title was huge. It was a huge statement in having somebody that legendary come out. It was a huge statement in just title presentation. And I loved, you know, the interplay that they had with people coming out afterwards. But to me, it also was like, you were just at the hall of fame and now you're here. That is huge and speaks volumes for what Bret Hart 
must think of AEW. And obviously he got a great paycheck for coming out. So of course that's going to factor in with it, but he's not going to go out and make a presence be known as Bret Hart supporting all elite wrestling. If he doesn't also actually believe in it. So it was really, really cool seeing that. What was, what were your thoughts and what was happening around you when (laughs) Bret freaking Hart came out? Man, all I kept thinking when that happened is about all of like, look at the WWE Hall of Famers on this card. You know, DDP showed up, Mike Tyson, they showed him watching in the background, and then it was Bret Hart. You know, you know, WWE, you know, the guy that stood in the ring, middle of the ring during the war and did WCW with his hand sign, and it was just like... I know there's a lot of, lot of, lot of comparisons. So it was just like this moment. Bret Hart, the world champion from WWE, a former WCW world champion, in the middle of the ring, kind of ceremoniously pa- passing the torch to Adam Cole as you know the guy. I mean, I mean, excuse me, Adam Page as the guy in AEW, and I just it was just monumental. It was like I didn't know who was gonna do it. And I am very happy with him because there's not a more respected professional wrestler than Bret Hart. No, absolutely not. And I heard that there were rumors initially that it was supposed to be Ric Flair coming out, but he had his heart surgery. Honestly, that would have been great, but I'm so glad that it was Bret Hart. I actually prefer as it happened with Bret. I mean, that, that was just incredible. And I know... You know, um, with the wrestling Twitter conversations with Reddit, the the, uh, wrestling community or whatever, um, you know, there's been arguments I've heard where, oh, it's just a bunch of people from WWE coming over. And obviously it's not just a bunch of WWE people coming over. But the way that I look at it is that if you have somebody who worked with WWF and WWE for so long and is so excited about something new and about what they're doing and about the professionalism and direction of what AEW is doing with the people who are building this company and taking it forward. That's a huge statement for something for them personally to be excited about. That's great. And yes, there is prestige, which having, you know, Bret Hart, WWE Hall of Famer coming out there, of course there's that prestige. But to me, it's it's also the prestige of him believing in this, of of if Ric Flair was going to be there, of Ric Flair believing in this, you know, of Tommy Dreamer and DDP and, and all of these people believing in this idea just as much as we are, that we're all fans in this together and we're all excited to carry this ship forward into a new future. I just thought it was awesome. It was awesome. And to the ex-WWE people, it is impossible to not to get a bunch of people that were never in the WWE. WWE was the system. It was it was the system. It was it. They were they were running unimposed, and then they had their own developmental territory. Kenny Omega was in the WWE developmental territory. Luchasaurus was in the WWE developmental territory. People, Matt Jackson worked as uh basically uh he worked as enhancement talent for it. You're not going to get away from it because that was the destination for so long. What they're doing is creating a new destination. So maybe in five or ten years, then you will have people that have never been in the WWE. They are exclusively AEW stars. But right now, everybody's been in the system. Everybody's tried out. That's the goal. 
Yeah. And now there's now there's a new world and a new goal. And you've got AEW and you've got Bret freaking Hart. Oh, and so you mentioned how Bret Hart put Adam Page over by passing the torch onto him. He also put someone else over. And that was MJF, Maxwell Jacob Friedman. This guy comes out, interrupts the title unveiling ceremony, cuts a promo on Bret Hart, steals his catchphrase, and then discards it saying it sucks, and then cuts a vicious not PG promo on Adam Page. And <laughs> He's going to put were, the horsey down. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> there were a couple of things that were really remarkable about this. One, just how much of a star MJF is with his words. This guy, I can't think of, perhaps maybe John Moxley, actually, um, the the promo capabilities within AEW with MJF and someone like John Moxley is huge. And so there's that, but then there was also the fact that we got to see what unscripted promos looks like in reality with AEW. We got to see them when they say that they trust their talent with their words, with their actions to do what they do best with a general, you know, framework, of course, to go out there. We got to see uh, the the crowd chanting, yes, it can, when he asked if a horse could actually get over. And then he immediately responds to that by calling Adam Page Seabiscuit. He's riffing off the crowd. He's improvising on the fly. He is masterful. And then cuts down Bret Hart. And you see Bret Hart smiling like he is into it. He's appreciating it too, even though, you know, he's supposed to be like, how dare you? <laughs> You can tell, like, it's just so good. So I loved that segment because I love MJF. I hate MJF. He is amazing. And I also, I think we're in kind of a minor little Twitter scuffle. So I have to try and keep kayfabe in that I really hate MJF and he should learn some manners. But, oh, my gosh, I love MJF. Well, <laughs> when he, he won me over when he said, oh, God, Brett, look out, there's a fan. <laughs> I, I, I was like, he had my attention at that point because that is one thing. And again, they don't pretend like stuff that happens out of AEW, outside of AEW didn't happen. I love that. Yes. And I think that's really important, too, that they acknowledge that, hey, there's a world out there. Stuff is happening in the world out there. Of course, we're going to know Bret Hart is out here with a title. The last time he was on a stage with the red carpet on it. That happened. So, yeah, having MJF call that out was awesome. I got to ask. I got to ask about the big, the elephant. Because I need, I need everyone to hear it. What did you think about the throne breaking? I loved it. I absolutely loved it. Okay. Now, <laughs> I have said on Twitter several times, you guys, come on. The world is wide enough for everybody. There's, there's room for fans of every promotion. We don't need to beat each other's throats. We don't need to be dividing ourselves over the wrestling that we love. The world is wide enough for everyone. And that is true. At the same time, I love a good war story. I love a good, you know, pot shot. I love that triple H took a shot at that pissant company at the hall of fame. And then Cody Rhodes did not hold back 
in taking a direct shot at the throne. Now, I know that this rubbed some people the wrong way. I absolutely loved it. I loved the symbolism. I also, at least at the time, felt that it tied into the story that he was about to tell with his brother, Dustin, that he was going after the Attitude Era. And what better symbol for the Attitude Era than Triple H? I mean, Triple H is the embodiment of the Attitude Era. He is driving the force, the driving force behind NXT. He is driving the helm with, uh, you know, Vince and everybody, of course, at uh, WWE. That is the symbol. I mean, <laughs> right now we've got a bunch of people from the era fighting on the other side of the world. Like, that was a direct shot at that. So I loved the shot at WWE. I loved the defining moment that we are here. We are competition. We are on, you know, ready to be noticed. We are out here. This is go time and there's no turning back. That was a defining line and I absolutely loved it. Ah, I, mean, I just wanted to hear what you thought because you know what I thought. Um, I've, heard, I've heard some descending opinions and he's like, well... You know, a lot of people had the, uh, well, you can't, you know, go at WWE. And I'm like, and yes, if he does something like this at the next show, I'm going to say, hey, that's a little much. But at their first show, the, a lot of times the first time people see what they're doing, he didn't shy away from it. He gave people what they want. People, they are an alternative. I am 100% behind that. They all are an alternative. But we want a war because wrestling, unlike uh, real life, when real life wars happen, you know, both sides lose. In wrestling wars, fans win. That yeah. simple. We get better programming. And I don't know about some of you do the slog of watching Raw, SmackDown, NXT, Impact, New Japan, if you just went through the best of the Super Juniors, that was a lot of TV. There's a lot of wrestling. Imagine if all of that wrestling was good. That would be so great. That's <laughs> what I'm saying. It's just like, I don't see why people don't, you know, everybody should want the competition. Everybody should want the war. When restaurants oh, compete, when restaurants compete, you get better products at cheaper prices. When grocery stores compete, you get more value for your money. When wrestling companies compete, you get better products. You get better storylines because now they're not just trying to keep your attention from everything. They're trying to keep your, your attention from that specific thing. That I mean, I like I said, I've kind of riffed on this before, so I'm not going to go into it much more, but that was it. I will say that for people who were curious about the shot that Cody Rhodes took at Triple H, Triple H fired back. And if you want to see, you just go to Twitter at WWE Japan and you will find hits. I believe the post is hashtag WWE Tokyo and it is a 30 second video of Triple H in a dark, smoky room where there's a refinished, reinforced, giant Triple H throne that has been restored, and it's just, there's a light shining on it with smoke billowing around, and it shows Triple H sitting in it. It shows a close-up of his face. There's smoke billowing around it. It's got great lighting, 
And he's got a knowing grin at the camera that's a definitive look at Cody Rhodes and a definitive nod to the throne. So they are having fun back and forth with each other. And honestly, I love that. I love that WWE is throwing stuff back at AEW, just like AEW is throwing stuff to WWE. I love the competition. I love the excitement. I love wondering what they're going to do next. And to be quite honest, the double or the raw after double or nothing was the first time I immediately went to watch raw in a long time because I wanted to know how they were going to respond. So this is a good thing for WWE and it's a good thing for AEW. That competition breeds curiosity for checking out those programs. And just to let you know, just while we were speaking, I went ahead and retweeted on the All Things Elite Twitter page. So you can just go to the All Things Elite Twitter page and scroll down a little bit and you'll see the video from Triple H. Yeah, it was it was really fun. It's just a thirty second clip, but it was it thirty seconds went a long way there. Oh yeah, um, I mean, it, 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 the very disappointing thing for me is that I did turn it on raw and I watched all three hours, and they didn't do anything. They yeah. didn't say anything, and it was just like, oh my god! I mean, you saying something. Uh, from uh, you saying something is going to bring eyes more eyes to your company because the people, the laps fans that are just watching AEW are gonna want to see the response, so they're gonna turn it on WWE to see the response. And because you didn't take advantage of it, because if they did respond or they did something, I would have tweeted that. I would have tweeted it out or retweeted it on the All Things Elite page, and you know would have got. So many, you know, got some eyes on it. You know, you would have probably retweeted it out and there would have been a conversation. But now it's just like, oh, they didn't do anything. Well, I think they did have Sami Zayn um, have an interaction with uh, people in the crowd where they did a Q&A session. And, he- and apparently they weren't plants, but I don't know if they were, whether they were or not is irrelevant. The relevant part was that Sami Zayn did mention AEW. Yes. Which got a huge rise from the crowd. We actually watched that Raw at the Tuscany Hotel with two iPads sitting out at a table on the balcony with a bunch of people all watching it together who just watched Double or Nothing. Now, I got really bored (laughs) through parts of it, and this isn't to put down WWE at all. This is just me just talking honestly. I got bored with parts of it, so we ended up going to a really nice dinner where we could still see we were still on the balcony, but we ended up having a wrestling match with our dinner. Instead, mm. <laughs> sort of Twitter feud, and that was fun. There were fun moments of it, but I'm, I'm, I am really excited and really hopeful that the spirit of competition spurs change and spurs things to go in a different way. And I think that, judging by this video that Triple H has put out, that they're they're going to have some fun with the competition too. Yeah, I, like I said, I I am very much very open about the slog that is watching all of WWE. The it's effort to watch all of WWE right now because there's not a lot of entertaining in that three hours. And this is a person I will never not watch raw to the day. The last episode of raw and the last second of episode of raw comes on. I will watch it and I will watch SmackDown the same way. So understand when I say I'm not enjoying WWE's product, it's 
all about me wanting it to get better. Has nothing to do with me wanting it to go away. I don't want AEW to replace WWE. I know I'm a horrible uh, host of an AEW podcast. I don't want any of that to happen. I want it all to be good. I, I want all of my time to be meaningful, and I want to come on here and be like, well, I got to talk a little bit about the WWE because they did, they did this at the AEW, and then I'm like, and this was AEW's response. That's an exciting show to me. Yeah, I don't think that that makes you a bad AEW podcast host, though, to want good wrestling all around. I will say, by the way, you mentioned New Japan Best of the Super Juniors earlier. I'm going to sidetrack really, really quick and say that it was really, really great. And John Moxley was there, which we'll talk about in a little bit. And Jericho will be fighting against Okada at Dominion on Sunday. So if you are curious about New Japan, and if you are curious about AEW and New Japan, you should check those shows out. Absolutely. I want to say, last year I watched every match of the Best of the Super Juniors. And, And I watched every match of the G1. Every match. And I will tell you, it is exhilarating. It is fun. It is tough. It is work. But it is like once you're done and you can be like, okay, there were 90 matches in the G1 and I watched every one of them. It's a it's a sense of accomplishment. I can't wait to do it again this year. Oh, July is like my favorite month now. July used to be like a very depressing month because you know, there was this big gap where you trying to wait for football to come. Oh, my God. You watch the G1. I mean, I will put that over forever. New Japan G1. You And when it comes to the G1, it's its own story. You could have never watched a New Japan show before and start at the first show of the G1 and go to the end and you get a complete story. Absolutely. I mean, out of last year's uh, match of the year top ten list, through the across the board of every publication, there were at least three to five matches from the G1 on that top 10 list. But I don't want to sidetrack too much into New Japan. Okay. Um, I just wanted to mention that real quick. Also, because we talk about New Japan on Dragon's Den. And we just did. So it's an exciting time. And also exciting because it does bridge into AEW. But since we were talking about the throne. And since we were talking about the kind of shots that WWE and uh, AEW were taking each other. Let's dive into the meat of the story of AEW's Double or Nothing. And that was the match with Dustin Rhodes versus Cody Rhodes, brother versus brother, lineage versus lineage, era versus era. Holy moly, that was a crazy match. That was insane. The story that was involved, the emotions that were involved, the wrestling that was involved, the intensity of the blading that was involved. Oh my gosh. What was the feel of the match from where you were sitting? Because in our area, it was just all eyes on the ring, completely riveted. Some of us were just in concern at looking at what was happening on the ring with Dustin. Some of us were just floored by the story that they were telling in the ring where Cody somehow, he's so good at this. Cody is so good at being the hero of his own show at All In and right after in New Japan where he did a triple threat, he was still the hero of All In, but he had to do the work to become the heel of the story. And he accomplished that in this match by having his brother fighting his heart out completely covered in blood and his brother is still just stomping him and punching him and just going after him viciously 
It was so good. What what was what was your experience in the arena where you were sitting watching Dustin versus Cody? Okay, um, I this is actually new. I didn't say this last week. It was like uh, during the show, I was sitting around a bunch of casual people, uh, and it was like their phones was out, and you know everything was going on from the moment the sledgehammer thing happened. And then the moment the match started, and then you got the dusty chance, you saw the phones go away. And everybody was focused on the ring. I think from the beginning to the end, they kept the audience glued. And, you know, and that's very hard. Like, uh, for uh, hardcore fans like us, we are conditioned that when we know a match is going to go along, we probably pay a little less attention to that first 10 minutes. But they did a really good job of getting right into it and keeping you interested. So. Yeah, you make a really good point about people putting their phones away. Um, I think there was at one point where... Actually, I don't know if I recorded the Dusty Chant. There were a couple of times where things were so momentous that I would just record it because it was so crazy to be a part of that and involved in it and just that... I wanted to preserve it forever, but that match was one where you're right. Phones were put away. Eyes were on the screen. And whether you're a hardcore wrestling fan or not, we are conditioned in this day and age to, I mean, we have a short attention span. We're on our phones. We're taking pictures. We're talking to our friends. We're like, whoa, can you believe this? We're interacting and engaging in different ways at the same time. We're very good at multitasking that way. But this was one where everything was still and everything that mattered was happening in that ring. And that is such a rare treasure to have in entertainment of all kinds, whether it's movies or shows or wrestling, but especially with wrestling because you're at a live event. You have things happening around you. And the only thing that mattered was the story being told in that ring. And it was one hell of a powerful story. Yes, uh, brother, man, um, they did. And and Cody made, hit it home when he's like, the emotional side of wrestling is what you're uh what you're uh going for and from the moment like i said from the sledgehammer to the very end with the hug it i mean people were in you know completely taken by everything that was going to ring it was like you know you got sold you know how people say that they're like yeah, yeah. i got sold i absolutely yeah. did i was completely involved with that i had no i i had a feeling cody was gonna win but by the end i had no idea i thought dustin might get a quick roll up or something like that and you know there would have been a story that you could have went with that way and with cody going there was a story that was an amazing story after the match that you went with that way it was just i was taken in i didn't know what was happening you know now of course i have this emotional attachment to cody but i also have the same emotional attachment to dustin i've had i've been a wrestling fan my whole life there's never been a time in my life where a rose wasn't entertaining me in a ring so just think about that 30 something years you know of roads so i'm emotionally attached to both and it was just my heart's beating i'm seeing people that, like I said, were kind of casuals. You know, I could tell they weren't as into the show. And it was just like, they were like, okay, what's happening here? I had people asking questions during the match. And it was just, 
it was great. It was a masterpiece. I mean, you know, I you know, you know, a lot. I know a lot of people don't like Dave, but you know, he's the Cisco and the Ebert of our time. And when it comes to wrestling, and when he says something's five stars, five stars is perfect. Five stars is I can't improve on this match. Dustin Rhodes was like, I think his last five star match was in the nineties. <laughs> you know, Cody, that was his first five star match. And, you know, and a lot of people call him three star special Cody. I mean, I know I defend his wrestling ability and his ability to tell a story all the time. And it, and it's like this moment felt justified as far as for all of us Cody fans. And it was just like kind of like that moment where we told you. And Cody, I always say the best analogy is I can say there are some people that are, you know, they're great writers. You know, they can make, you know, short stories. They can make books. Cody is better with novels. He he he's a long form storyteller. He likes to get you emotionally involved. He likes to have these promos. He likes to do this big build to a match. That's his thing. Look at Nick Aldis, you know, both of those matches last year. You know, a lot of people find Nick Aldis boring, but that was on a lot of people's match of the year last year. It was because they had the time to work out the story. And with this, it was the same way. They had the time to work out the story and they delivered. Absolutely. And I love that this had such an impact in the show that it got to be its own gift within the show. And then you still had, you know, the rest of the show with high flying action to build up to it. Then you have this sort of cathartic release of emotional energy and everyone is absolutely involved with it. It's, I think it's one of the best wrestling stories ever told. I mean, the only other time that I've ever been that emotionally invested in a match was uh, Kenny Omega versus Okada at Dominion last year, which was historically one of the greatest wrestling matches ever. This also is one of the greatest wrestling matches ever for a different reason. This is a once in a lifetime kind of story that you're going to get. And I love that they were able to deliver this on their terms in their way and pull everyone in on it with them in that kind of engagement. And I also love that we got to have a moment to breathe afterwards because we needed a break. Because if you look at the way that the card was set up, you have um, Dustin versus Cody and everyone knows it's going to be an emotional story, but you don't know how emotional it's going to be until it happens. And then suddenly everyone's crying around you and it's just like everyone's in on this. And then you have um, the tag team match, and then you have Kenny and Jericho, and that also has the potential to be an, uh, an emotionally heavy match. Not in the same way, but very uh, a very brutal match, and they're very, very good and very powerful. So having something like the Young Bucks versus the Lucha Brothers follow that was really, really nice because we got to sit in the moment of Cody and Dustin we got to sit in the moment that just happened and really the legendary significance of it all and process it while also happening to watch one of the best tag team matches ever. Man. <laughs> with the Bucks and the Lucha Brothers. Um, I got to tell a lot of my friends, ladies and gentlemen, that's Ray Phoenix because I think he was the star of that match. You know, I think Pentagon and his Sierra Meadow Everyone knew he was a star. Don't get me wrong. I mean, they got, you know, they're chanting your name, you know, without, you know, prompting, you know, that means you're over. 
But Ray Phoenix does stuff in the ring that I don't think other people can do. And during that match, and I know, of course, like I said, I know there's people that watch like 100 matches a week or whatever. So they may have seen some of the spots before. But for someone like me that, you know, tries to, you know, limit certain things about my wrestling, it was like I'd seen things I didn't see before. And uh, for my friend Mike that was in the audience who hadn't been to a wrestling show in 20 years, he was like, wow. And he, he's a big, he wants to know everything about Ray Phoenix now. Oh, man. Ray Phoenix was incredible. Pentagon was incredible. The Young Bucks were incredible. I was so excited for this match because I love watching the Young Bucks in New Japan. And I haven't seen them wrestle since they left New Japan. I've seen, obviously, whatever they've shown um, on Being the Elite. And I saw the match that they had against um, the Lucha Brothers at AAA where they kind of went in and got the titles from them. Um, but I haven't really seen them wrestle in the ring in a full-on match that wasn't kind of building to a story. And this one was them at their best. You could tell they've been putting everything into it. They've had the great story with being the elite, with them trying to get over their ring rust and working on new moves together. Their timing was impeccable. The chemistry that they have with the Lucha Brothers, and that's my favorite thing. When you've got a great tag team match where the two teams have great chemistry with each other, great chemistry with their opposing tag teams. You just have this fluid magic that happens in the ring where you're just constantly awestruck by these magnificent spots and flips and jumps and just everything. And I absolutely loved Ray Phoenix. Absolutely loved Pentagon. I loved that there were those chants happening in the arena because that actually surprised me. I thought that these would just be super, super over and they were, but I loved that on their inaugural show, the very first tag team that they immediately thought of to have as a part of their company was just as over as they were. It was fantastic. Yes, uh, definitely. Um, I, uh, it was, it was crazy. Cause, um, you know, you think West coast, you did have, you definitely have a Hispanic presence in the audience. And, and and you definitely heard them when it uh when it came to the uh Lucha Bros and it was that was awesome. Like I said, I'm a big Pentagon fan. Uh in my top five list, he's always in my top five favorite wrestlers. I just think he has this almost stone cold Steve Austin type charisma to him. Just like he, he very much has this energy that he knows he's a badass. And he has that badass energy about him, and I love that about him. And that arm break thing he does is amazing. But the Young Bucks, it's just like, as far as tag team wrestling, when they say they're the best in the world, I, I don't got much of an argument against it. And I'm a pretty good person at arguing. They put on, like seriously, no matter who they're with, you know, it, it's like you always say you got to have a good dance partner to put on a great match. It doesn't seem like the Young Bucks do. It like it doesn't matter who's on the other side of that ring. If they're in the ring, they're gonna get a great match out of them. And oh I, yeah, and that's just impressive to me. And but of course, with the Lucha Bros, probably if you're talking about best tag teams in the world, they're right there. <laughs> they're in that top five, probably in the top two or three. And it was amazing. Like that that weekend was just for me as a person that favorite form of wrestling is tag team wrestling. Getting to meet 
to see the Young Bucks versus Pentagon and Ray Phoenix, the Lucha Bros, uh, and then getting to meet LAX and them all being in L- uh, Las Vegas in the weekends, you know, it got my brain going. You know, I was like, man, that's some great tag team wrestling there. Oh, absolutely. And I will say that, you know, they were fighting to see who's the best tag team in the world, and the Bucks may have retained that title. I don't think they've answered that question yet. Yeah, they still have to go. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was about to say, uh, man, we're definitely going to get this this match again. And But it's just funny because you're looking at the division. Lucia Bros versus Angelico and Jack Ed Evans would be amazing. Lucia Bros versus the best friends. Young Bucks against either one of those teams. I mean... Then you you haven't even you know talked about we haven't even talked about SCU as a tag team whatever combination of those two that we get man uh, we got some tag team wrestling to look forward oh, to and the strong hearts yeah oh my gosh they were amazing they were so good and I'm just just really really quick was so blown away by them loved Shima loved the strong hearts can't wait to see more of them I am so excited about the tag team division in All Elite Wrestling, especially because it's so very lacking elsewhere. I love New Japan. They have some of the best wrestling in the world, but their tag team divisions are sorely lacking. And WWE, their tag team divisions kind of randomly put together and thrown out, and nobody knows what they're doing with that. AEW has a solid tag team vision. And I am so excited to see how that plays out. And I am so excited to see people like the Lucha Bros and the Young Bucks and Angelico and Jack Evans and the Best Friends, Private Party, SCU, the Stronghearts, all of these teams mix it up as they discover who is the best in the world, considering all of the candidates are in their own promotion now. (laughs) Absolutely. Uh, I mean... I am so excited. That's what uh, the tag team division, I mean, is the thing that just gets my blood going. I mean, uh, we're going to get, you know, we're going to get the Rhodes against the Bucks soon. And it's just like, you know, you, you know, excuse me, Cody and Dustin against the Bucks soon. And it was just like, you know, the Brotherhood was the WWE tag team champions. These are two guys that have been wrestling forever. They're gonna put on a show. They're gonna put on a show. Just and I'm oh, just, yeah. I'm just like that's another level of wrestling that you have there, and it's just amazing that that's going on right now. Absolutely. So let's talk about the last match and the last big surprise of AEW, which was the Kenny and Jericho match, which was great. I love Kenny Omega matches. I was really excited to see Kenny Omega wrestle again. That guy is a machine. He is the Terminator. And oh my God, I loved doing the Terminator claps so much for him. It was so great to have that happen so much. And I loved the homage to New Japan in that sense where there were a lot of these carryover chants from New Japan and claps and actions that carried over into AEW. And for me, that was a sign of love and appreciation of where we all kind of really got to know him was in his time in new Japan. Um, the match itself with Jericho was great. Jericho is such a great monster heel. He's such a prick. He's so good. He's so great. He's still killing it and finding incredible ways of adapting and capturing the energy of the crowd. Um, 
I will say Kenny Omega breaking his nose midway through the match uh, was really concerning for me. So for me, it kind of took me out of it. Not his fault, of course. Um, but I had already reached my limit of blood for the night with Dustin Rhodes that by the time Kenny happened, I was just concerned. But it was still a great match. Um, what did you guys think about uh, the Kenny and Jericho match before we get into what happened afterwards? It was extremely it, – it, it like I, I didn't appreciate it live. I don't know if I was just emotionally exhausted. You know, I don't know. I don't know. I didn't appreciate it live. Like, when I was watching it live, I was like, that's kind of boring, you know, that kind of thing. But I had just got through watching the Lucha Bros and Young Bucks. That is a problem with following tag team wrestling, you know, especially their type of tag team wrestling. It's very exciting. And this was very much strong style. It was very much violent, and they went at each other. It was like a fight. And like I said, I didn't appreciate it as much live, but when I watched it back on pay-per-view, I was like, okay, I see what they were doing there, and it was exactly what was needed because it was different than the previous two matches. And when you have such a top-heavy card, those you know those three matches have to be different, and it was unique. And and it, as far as it being violent, and I like that about it. And yeah, I was a little, I was actually a little surprised by the ending. Me too. Yeah, uh, I was a little shocked that uh, Jericho won and just won clean. You know? Yeah. He he, <laughs> yeah, he, he hit that spinning elbow. Uh, what do you call the Jericho? Uh, it, oh Jericho gosh, something effect. Judas. The Judas effect. Judas effect. Yes. And he hits the elbow and. You know, I mean, just like I don't like I've never done MMA, but when I, the fights that I've seen, someone hits you clean in the face with a, a spinning elbow, you're pretty much out. So it's a very legit looking finisher, but it didn't look like the finish. It was like it was kind of like, oh, it's over <laughs> kind of. Yeah. Man, yeah. I do love that Kenny didn't uh, end up getting his one-winged angel. I love that that's still protected. The only person who's ever kicked out of the one-winged angel has been his partner, Kota Ibushi. So, and that was a long time ago. So, um, unless I'm mistaken and Okada's kicked out of it, I'll have to double-check. He has it, not. Okada has yeah. taken it okay. twice and has lost yes. twice. So, no one's kicked out of that. He didn't get it with Jericho. I love that that's still protected. It was brutal for my taste but i also knew that going into it with it being a jericho match and i i kind of think that i'm i'm just gonna have to build up my tolerance with that a little bit with uh you know people like jericho and jimmy havoc and joey janela like i'm just gonna have to accept that brutal is gonna happen and i'm gonna have to watch through my fingers sometimes and that's okay <laughs> so i definitely did that with this match um afterwards when Jericho is standing up there, he's got the microphone, he's being an absolute prick, you know, demanding his thank you, telling the crowd to shut up. He's just playing it up and being a massive jerk. And then at this point, this was the coolest thing about what happens here. So during the Casino Battle Royale, we all had this question of who's going to be number 21. And Hangman Page comes out. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, we're all kind of expecting that maybe John Moxley is going to make an appearance. And once Hangman Page comes out at 21, I'm like, oh, okay, well, maybe Moxley will come out later and they'll have a match later or something because the Pac and Page situation had been postponed. By the time Jericho was on stage after their match, I had completely forgotten 
about John Moxley. I he wasn't on my radar at all. I didn't care. I didn't think about it. I was so invested into everything that we had seen that it just didn't even occur to me. So suddenly there's this commotion to my left and I look over, I see somebody going through the crowd. Holy, oh my God, it's John freaking Moxley. What? Oh my God. Like I'm losing my mind. Everybody's losing their mind. This is absolutely just euphoric. It's crazy. And he goes after Jericho. He goes after the referee. And then, oh my God, he's going after poor Kenny, who's probably got a concussion. He's definitely got a broken face. He's taking him off of the chips. He's just like tearing through everyone. And it is the most legendary way to end a show. And then I go back and I listen to it because I want to watch it again after we've experienced it because it was such a good show. And I'm watching JR and JR has no idea that John Moxley's coming out. And he is delivering peak JR, absolutely legendary commentary. And this show ends in the most legendary, memorable way possible. And I know I keep saying legendary, but my God, this show will go down in the history books, whatever AEW's future, as a legendary moment in professional wrestling history. This was incredible. What was your experience with John Moxley? Wrestling, <laughs> wrestling is about moments. And there was no better way for this show to end as far as that moment. Um, it was this, you know, you see him coming out and then started, part of the crowd starts cheering. Then, you know, like the rest of some more people start seeing it and then some more people. And then everybody's like, it's John Moxley. So it's like a rolling kind of cheer. And it's like, oh, my God. And everybody's like, I mean, and even though we were kind of expecting him to make an appearance i was satisfied with the show without him making an appearance i thought it was an amazing show without him making an appearance him making the appearance like took it from like a a plus to like oh my god this is the best show i've seen in my life because it just ended with that moment and i just um it was one of those things like I'm just yelling and screaming and then I get silent because I've yelled and screamed and I'm just watching and what he does and everything he does after he appears is the Dean Ambrose we thought we were going to get. You know, that was the John Moxley. John Moxley was he was cool. He was renegade. He was a little crazy. I mean, as everyone said, the bastard child of Stone Cold Steve Austin and Roddy Piper is what they've always said about him. And he was every bit of that. He was hungry. Yes. He was on fire. He was breathing the essence of the experience in. He was just lavishing in everything. And we were too. It was so incredible. And the great thing is that even afterwards, so after Double or Nothing is done, it's over, everyone's talking about it, everyone's flipping out, he ends up making waves again that same weekend by for New Japan fans announcing that he's going to new japan to take on juice robinson for the u.s championship which is a huge freaking deal because for new japan fans we've been seeing these sort of mystery vignettes that are so cool they're my favorite vignettes i love watching them i just watch them to listen to the music it's great but we've been seeing these vignettes playing over and over and over wondering who in the world has been watching juice robinson like over 
some crazy amount of time. We thought maybe it was his best friend, David Finlay. There was a British patch on the jacket, so we thought maybe it was going to be a guy from the UK. Turns out it's John freaking Moxley. And I'm just going to say this real quick for anybody listening who isn't filled with enough John Moxley after Double or Nothing. Go watch the best of the Super Junior Finals with his match with Juice Robinson because he took that John Moxley brutality to New Japan and gave an entirely different match from what we usually see in New Japan to New Japan. We got hardcore John Moxley. He <laughs> it was it was insane. There was blood, there were tables, not Spanish announcement tables that break easily. It was nuts. So just wrapping this up with John Moxley there like the energy and the excitement and the unpredictability and the energy and the hunger and the drive from his promos to his actions. It is an exciting time to be a wrestling fan. And John Moxley in his debut at AEW and with New Japan really embodies that electrified feel that is around the world with wrestling right now. He has taken over the wrestling news feed for the last roughly two weeks. It has been all about Moxley. Uh, I mean, like Observer Radio, it's Moxley. Um, you know, Jericho podcast, Moxley. Uh, Wade Keller had two-part interview with Moxley. And if you listen to any podcast, they talk about what he's been talking about on these groups. So, John Moxley, if his point was to be the biggest name in wrestling. He did it and cleared it by about five feet. He is the biggest name in wrestling right now. It's just, and, and like not close. Yeah, it's <laughs> absolutely stunning. And it was just a euphoric way to end that pay-per-view. It was, it was magic. I don't uh, know if we'll ever get something like dude. that again. I mean, we might with AEW, but like, those are one of those things where you look at it just like the Cody Dustin match where you see it as a gift. You see Moxley's debut as a gift. You know, we were there, Floyd. We were there. And people Absolutely. around the world watched it live. And even if you weren't there in person, you shared in that exhilarating surprise and experience with everyone together. And that is something that we will all remember when we look back at our favorite wrestling shows, our favorite matches, our favorite promotions, our favorite memories, whatever, for the rest of our lives. A absolutely. Uh, I got my ticket. It's still in my bag. It is waiting for Cody and Dustin to sign it because I was there that night for that match. Uh, I can't, you know, and it's just like that Ambrose thing, man. Like I said, it was the cherry on top of a wonderful wrestling dessert. I mean, it was just desserts the whole night. It was just such a great, great show. Great way to end. One of the best shows I've ever seen in my life. I've literally watched it twice since then on uh, on BR Live. Uh, and it was just like, I've talked to my friends. I've talked to the people that are kind of lapsed and asked what they thought. I've had people sign in. I'm like, hey, if you're not going to watch it, just go. I mean, I got unlimited replays on my BR Live. I just wanted, I was like, if they didn't know if they want to give it a shot, just watch it and give it a shot. And it was just very, everything's been overly positive about it. Uh, we got the numbers this week it, between 98,000 and 113,000 buys. 71,000 buys in the U.S. And it's 
apparently split 50-50 between pay-per-view and streaming, which is generally a lot more pay-per-view than streaming. So people are actually using BR Live, which is all good news for the company we talk about every week. Yeah, absolutely. And also, they had the first sensory-inclusive wrestling show in history. They had their partnership with Culture City. They had noise-canceling headphones, stress balls, fidget toys. They had kits for nonverbal people with others, special lanyards so staff could easily identify people with sensory needs. And they were giving these bags away for free for anyone who registered, along with a quiet room with lower lighting, beanbag chairs, etc. And we talked earlier about the lighting of the venue. I'm pretty sure that had something to do with it as well, not just in keeping the focus on the ring, but also having a friendly environment for people who were in attendance. And I really just love how many barriers AEW seems to be breaking just with their first show alone with the matches, the structure, the pacing, the storytelling, the buy rates, the Culture City partnership, the legendary ending of a legendary show. I Honestly, all things are elite for all elite wrestling from here on out, I think. Absolutely. The big thing, the partnership with Culture City has been like very big for me as far as, uh, you know, me learning and being educated about I like I said I didn't even before Brandy introduced Culture City and the uh, the autism awareness I can honestly say I was not aware I did not you know I I don't have anyone in my family that's autistic or anything like that only thing I knew about was you know Ron Funches who's a comedian definitely was at the show he has a son that's autistic and that's pretty much my you know other than TV shows that's my experience with autism so. I found out a friend of mine was on the spectrum after that, and I got to talk to him a lot about his, his why he doesn't go. He doesn't go to concerts. He doesn't go to events. He doesn't do anything. And I started talking about Culture City and what they do, and you know, he's like, "Man, that would really help me." Like I said, it was a problem I didn't even know existed, and now you know, I'm like, you know, all about it. And you know, bought the bought the shirt the first day it was on sale. Uh, you know, and it's just, you know, I, I, I go to the website and I point my friends to it and I get to learn a little bit more. So, yeah. yeah and I'm really curious to see if they are going to have these bags available and that partnership available at their future shows. I don't know if they'll do this at Fighter Fest. They might. I know that's going to be a CEO gaming AEW show. I imagine that we'll be able to see them at their show for All Out, for Fight for the Fallen, when they start doing their weekly shows. Absolutely. I am curious to see if they'll have it at Fighter Fest. And that's the next show that we have to look forward to. Oh, ab- yeah. At Fighter Fest. And just so you know, tickets are have sold really, really well for Fighter Fest. And it is going to be on BR Live. So I've, it's already got you know a spot on BR Live. You go to BR Live and put in AEW, it already has Fighter Fest there. I don't know how they're going to do that as far as pricing. We will, of course, let you know as soon as we know. But uh, I'm very excited. I want I want it to be the whole idea of uh, Culture City. I'm just hoping that it being a sensory inclusive event eventually just all events are just sensory inclusive absolutely yeah so we're gonna have so much to talk about with fighter fest we've got lots to look forward to it's gonna be a great card i can't wait to watch it live i'm not gonna be able to go see it but i can't wait to experience it on twitter with all of you it's going to be so fun so with that said we'll have a lot to cover in future episodes with that 
And I would like to give a special shout out to my co-host and podcasting partner, Floyd, because it's your birthday. Almost. (laughs) Your birthday is on June 10th. So, hey, dude, buddy, happy birthday. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. It's funny. I am re uh I am very excited to be turning 38. Uh I am really really tough to buy for cuz I do a lot for myself. Uh and so so uh in lieu of that, I have uh directed people. Yeah, my name's Floyd Johnson Jr. So if you ever find me on Facebook, that's fine. I did one of those funding campaigns uh and it mine is I picked was Culture City. So in if you decide you wanted to give me a gift, don't worry about that. Just give money to Culture City. Oh, that's super, super sweet. So anybody out there wanting to support Culture City and what they're doing for sensory inclusive events and give a little shout out to Floyd Johnson Jr. in the process, head on over to his Facebook page and maybe give a little gift of yeah, you know, know, five bucks, whatever. I was just saying, you can go to Culture City directly. You don't have to do it through my Facebook. Hey, like I said, if you just something you want to do do it I, it's like i said it's a cause that i i have learned a lot about over the last what six months it feels like and it's just been uh it's been wonderful it's been wonderful getting to know about struggles that i didn't know people had yeah, I think that's really, really awesome of you. I think that's awesome of people to um, really get in the spirit of including people in our lives and in our circles and in our activities. And a part of that is getting to know each other's struggles and sacrifices and what we do to be able to share the things that we love. So on that note, happiest birthdays to you, Floyd. I hope that you, your 38th year is filled with all the wrestling, all the positivity, all the fun, and all the friendships that wrestling can offer. This will be my last birthday, uh, last birthday without my fiance as my wife. So, uh, 38, uh, 38 is already going to be a good year because I get married later. Uh, I get married in July and I'm looking forward to that. Best summer ever. Best summer ever. I mean, really, it is going to be best summer ever. Like the end of my summer is going to be all out. So that's crazy. I, I was like, I don't even want to get excited. I don't want to jump ahead. It's I'm just enjoying every day as it goes. And that's what I, that's my message. As I head into my 38th year, uh, I, I remember I spent a lot of my time in my 20s. Uh, a lot of my time in my 20s just kind of waiting for life to happen. I will tell you, don't do that. And go out and make it happen. Always be working towards your goals, your dreams, whatever they may be. And as I will leave you with my f- final thing that I always say, whether it's home, school, or work, always do your best to be elite. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? 
These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.